Welcome back, everybody, to We Are TPM with myself, Kyle Teixeira, sitting next to, as usual, John Teixeira. We are here this week to talk to you about investing in HOAs, homeowners associations. Now, if you have any interest in this topic, any topic, want to talk to us about any of these things or any of those things, give us a call, 817-818-9039. Shoot us an email at showmethemoney at wertpm.com. Let's get into it. What are we discussing investing in HOAs? What, what well, is that? Are we, have you ever invested in an HMO? No. Okay, so I'm, I, that's have kind I ever of bought obscure. an insurance policy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get, I get, I get so many acronyms that start with H. HMO is the one I get the most often from buyers. Oh, I don't want an HMO. I don't want. It's it's hilarious. It's HOA, Homeowners Association, <laughs> as you described it. So that's the first thing. Is what is it? It's a group. It's a group of people that get together. They have. Um, so it's a group of homes. Usually, sometimes it's a condo complex. Whatever it is, it's a property with an association that manages uh, common areas, um, and they manage the um, overall aesthetics of the community to make sure that it is in line with whatever their guidelines are. Yeah, and I mean that can vary, but it's basically a planned. It's usually a planned development mm-hmm. that, from its inception, is going to have this association um, that manages it essentially as a as a benefit of the homeowners. Um, mostly, they're mandatory for the most part. There are some that are voluntary, um, but mostly they're man- mandatory. Yep. We're going to talk about them as if in the mandatory sense. Yeah, because in investing in HOAs, what does that mean for you? And that depends on how you're investing, right? So long-term, short-term, vacation rentals, they all have a little different a different and we have experience with a lot of them. So um let's 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 get into into yeah, talking about all those. We've had because the things you want to consider and you may not consider and you know the effects this can have on your investment. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Um so I've been, let's start with this. Um, well, no, first of all, negatives. People, there there are a lot of negative connotations around HOAs. And I would say almost all of them come from what people hear in the news and their personal experiences with an HOA because they didn't like their HOA telling them what to do. Mm-hmm. So whenever somebody feels like, whether it's rightly so or not, that their liberties are taken away by an HOA, they get a bad taste in their mouth, and they usually become they they become averse to HOAs from that point on for the rest of their life. That's been that's been my experience. Well, and it, and that's because to some degree, that's because there's a level of power the HOAs have over a homeowner's property. You know, they own the property, but. HOAs essentially have power over the whole complex and there's a shared interest in it, right? So um, generally they cost money. So you have an HOA fee per month. There's assessments. Yeah, there's assessments. We'll talk about assessments, um, but there's requirements. And that's really what, what you're stating is it's the requirements of the HOA. Someone lived in, forced them to be told what to do, and they didn't like that. Yep. Uh-huh. And some of them could be easy. You know, some of them don't have very many requirements and some of them have a lot. Most of them have an extremely reasonable set of requirements that they're looking for. 
keep your lawn up. You know, if you put a new fence up, we want to approve it to make sure it matches everything else. We want to approve if you're going to paint the exterior of your home, put a new garage door on. We want to make sure you're not putting a purple garage door and painting your house hot pink, right? Like that would that would be bad for the rest of the neighborhood. And that's what an HOA is there for, to make maintain the property as a whole and everybody's Property help values. Protect, everybody, help protect everyone's property values, correct? Yep. Um, I think one one part where uh, they, you know, can get in or the, the, there's some uncertainty because those rules and requirements can change. So we'll talk about that too. But the HOA has the power to not just have these rules and requirements, but after buying them, they could change. And it's based on votes and Homeowner decisions, but they can definitely change. So let's talk about some experiences. I've got, and and, and I'm going to start with, with my experience. I'm currently the HOA president of my HOA, 600 homes. Mm-hmm. And this has been probably one of the, so as you get the two extremes as really good experience all the way to, oh crap, what happened? Um, this is probably as good, almost as good as you can get. Okay. And I understand Steve has, has, uh, an experience I'd love to hear as well, but my experience, I've served on that board for nine years. Um, currently the HOA president, we've done a great job financially, no special assessments. We've only raised assessments one time. Um, and we've done a really good job of maintaining financially the common areas and um, just I feel like we've done a good job of keeping values up and policing the things that we need to police and not over policing the things we don't need to police. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been that's been my experience where where I am and I have some ex- other experiences elsewhere. Steve, what's what's your experience? Do you want to share that with us? Yeah, up until about a year ago, I was our HOA president, and I served as president for six years. I served on the board for 10 years. I was vice president for, uh, for several years, and uh, 280 homes. And the, the, the one thing, whenever people would come to me, the homeowners would come to me with a problem. Someone down the street is playing their music too loud. The one thing that I always said to to residents is the HOA can only govern what is written in the CC&Rs. That's right. And so, well, can't you do anything about the the music? Is it in the CC&Rs? No. Well, then you have to call the police or you have to call call someone within the city, call the code compliance. And, and our lawns, you talked about, uh, are the lawns being mowed? It wasn't in our CCNRs, but uh, it's also a municipality situation where, yeah, you do, you you know, if you grow your lawn more than 12 inches, uh, the city's going to come down on you. So uh, it was a, it was a nice symbiotic relationship between the RHOA and, and the city. Um, a lot of it was just, hey, you know, go, go talk to the people at the city. So you use the term CCNRs, conditions, I believe, covenants and restrictions. I think that's what the first C stands for. And um, so we talked about this every – thank you, Steve, for, for sharing that with sure. us. We talked about how every every HOA has 
some restrictions, covenants, so forth. They have guidelines on how they're governed and what they're going to be policing, right? Mm -hmm. And they all have a different purpose. We talked about my 600-unit subdivision is very similar to Steve's 280-unit subdivision, right? Well, that's that's a lot different. That's going to be governed, and, and those are going to be – they have a different purpose than, say, a large – 18-story building in Miami, right? That's going to have a completely different set of guidelines and and a different purpose. They may have more powers, too. Yeah. You know, there's a level yep. of uh, of what they can and can't change, add to the CCNRs or add to the, the governing docs. Those powers are established, you know, usually pretty early, but sometimes mm-hmm. it requires a vote of the homeowners, a majority vote, a, you know, a more than majority vote or certain things the president can just do, you know, it's, it, it really, um, there's a, there's a r- wide range depending on the purpose. So, and essentially well, you, you were talking about money. We didn't, for anyone who doesn't know, like usually this is what your HOA fees are. You know, you have an HOA fee. Um, they're assessments. Through. They're called assessments. It's just, they're always called assessments. Yeah. And the reason why I point that out is because you have a term called special, special assessments. assessments. Yeah. And I just want to make sure that people understand that, so your HOA assessments usually are monthly or whatever. They're set in stone. Well, if that money, if whatever you guys are doing or things change and you need more money in general, you get special assessments, which is like, all right, this isn't, we need this much amount of money. We have an overage and now this gets split up equally between the homeowners. Usually it's equally depending on what the government doc said, but um, yeah, I, I've seen it. I've seen special assessments. Um happen a lot of different ways. So I talked about my experience in my particular HOA, and we've done a really good job of maintaining a reserve account, making sure that we don't have to do the special assessments. In In the 18-year history of that homeowners association, they've never had a special assessment. See, and, and <clears throat> in my, if correct me if I'm wrong, we also never raised HOA fees until like last year, this year, or something. No, no, like no. That. We did, but it was it was several years ago. It was it happened like seven or eight years ago, and it's only happened once, I think. And this is a good thing to to mm-hmm. talk about because this episode is about investing in HOA. So those are cons- these are all considerations you want to look at because mm-hmm. you could have. You know, before you actually close on a property, you do get some transparency mm-hmm. into these yep. things. And you want to look at them because you could have that track record and you could be the other investment you're considering with the same HOA fees or assessments um, down the street. And you look at that and it's not the same experience. You know, they've been doing, you can see special assessments for a lot of reasons. And that's a really the good board point. matters, right? This is yeah. partially what we're talking about is the board of volunteer homeowners that get to make these decisions and there's also a management company that kind of executes the management role of there can be there isn't always a management yeah. company there should always be a management company <laughs> yeah. but there Just isn't like there always should be one. a property manager there should be an HOA <laughs> manager have, we have uh, one that we manage that is um where the homeowners association does not have a professional property manager um they've tried to use a realtor in the past to do it it's a mess but anyways and it doesn't operate very it just doesn't does it, it doesn't they don't yeah. do the things <laughs> they do everything by a group message it's it's horrible um but anyways to your point um 
when you are purchasing a property and you're going to analyze whether you're going to buy an investment property in an HOA, personally, I think it's a, it's a great idea. And to your point, look at the, as much use, as much diligence as you can in looking at the HOA docs that you're provided at closing definitely with special attention to your annual meetings. So the things, the big things that happen that are public knowledge happen at annual meetings. So the meetings that happen in between the the annual meetings, typically HOAs have annual meetings. I mean, not everyone does, but, but that's typical. And the things that happen in between though, while, while you can find meeting minutes for them, those are just kind of everyday, everyday mundane things that happen. What happens at the annual meetings will show you how often they've raised their assessments, um, what are their big plans for this coming year, what is the financial health of that HOA at that moment in time. You'll learn a lot just by looking at the annual meeting minutes. And lease requirements is extremely important, especially mm. if you're doing it for investing purposes. You, it's very that, common to have a lease term requirement, which HOAs can govern. Sometimes they have a registration requirement where they have to approve your tenant coming into the community for various reasons that fall under fair housing, yeah. but um, they may have that requirement. I've seen a, lo- a wide variety. Sometimes they may have a six-month requirement, a 12-month requirement, something as ridiculous as your leases have to start in May of every year. And yes, that is one we literally deal with (laughs) right now. Um, We could get into how that could get in the way of you leasing it during the other 11 months of the year. But But it doesn't have to. That, That one, for instance, is that is a great property for us for leasing. We've got about, we've got like four or five units in that, in that, in that particular complex that you're referring to. And while that is stupid and frustrates us as property managers that we have to set up a lease that starts May 1st and go through this process every single year with all of our tenants, it is frustrating. We don't like it. That's well, cr- well, true, I, but I bring it wouldn't up stop me from I don't think buying in there. I call it ridiculous, and I say it's a consideration because you have to look at Okay, well, now I know that everybody renting in this entire complex has their renter reconsidering their lease every May. Every May, yep. So how likely is this complex to get saturated and get its values hurt every year because of a some some requirement like that which which in my opinion as manager it was um established probably by laziness. Someone thought probably thought, "Hey, it'd be easier to do all this at one time in May." When your responsibility as an HOA is to protect the home values, not to make, you know, operational things easier. So, but it probably wasn't considered the way I'm looking at it. Um, but, you know, that's why it's important to look at those things and consider them. And I say, I say, do a better job of managing the property so your tenant doesn't want to leave. And then I don't have to worry about that. Everyone else does. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> so, but, and we talk about short-term rentals a lot on this podcast. So I'm going to bring up that is a huge thing to a point that, Unless an HOA specifically explicitly approves it, um, we've almost steered away because the HOA does have the power to change the rules and ban short-term rentals Um, because they have that same authority of lease requirements. And I'm saying they have this. They generally have this in most CCNR. Well, especially in condo and townhome complexes, we've pretty much stayed away from them for that reason. 
Mm-hmm. Because most of them, unless they have established short-term rental guidelines are already established, most of them either haven't dealt with it yet or they have banned it, yeah. right? And if they haven't dealt with it at all, that scares me because I don't want to spend the time and money setting up a short-term rental and it lasts for six or seven months before we find out we can't do it anymore. Which has happened. That's happened to us. Um, so you learn the hard way, but that doesn't mean you can't do a short-term rental in an HOA. Specifically, okay, let's let's move to vacation rentals because vacation rentals are always in an HOA. Well, not always. Most of them are. The, the ones that we deal with are. And they are expecting you to do short-term rentals. Yeah, and that's where we're saying it's an established rule. Because right. when if people say, oh, there's no rule on here against this, maybe this won't be a bad thing. The way you want to look at it is, is you will probably be the one to make them consider what the rule is going to be, right? Like say, all right, you go do a short-term rental in this HOA who hasn't addressed the problem. Well, now they have a short-term rental, yours, in their complex, and there's very likely something's going to, you know, someone's going to find out a short-term rental and someone's going to ask the question, what do we want to make be, rules be about Be a good this? neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. So be a good neighbor. Set set the right example for that conversation. Be a good neighbor so that doesn't happen well, to you. Well, our first one uh, has been a party house, so we're banning them, right? You can you could literally have that effect on a whole complex. So this is side note. This is not really a, what our subject is about, but if you're considering doing this and you're going into an HOA, not only be a good neighbor, be a better neighbor than you would have been otherwise. And go get to know every single one of your neighbors. Make sure they have your contact information, that they can call you. Make sure that they know that they're free to call you for anything whatsoever so that they can feel like they are part of the process. Otherwise, they feel like this Airbnb is just being forced down their throat. Mm-hmm. And they don't like it. And they have no control. Yeah, And they have no control. But give them the control that they need. Make sure they know that the, you are open to their feedback at all times. And you know what? Act on it. When when you get a guest that does something inappropriate against your house rules, you know, I've literally shown up with police before. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that sometimes that's the most extreme example, but sometimes that's what has to happen and your neighbors will appreciate that and go, look. <laughs> he said, I showed up with a show of force. <laughs> <laughs> John's, John's got this. All I had to do was call, let him know what's going on. It's being taken care of. Like, mm-hmm. we want to be a great neighbor. So the point, to get back to our point, should I invest in these HOAs and assessments and all that? You should look at the assessments, how much it's costing you. But absolutely, don't let this scare you away. You just need to understand what you're getting into. Right, Kyle? I mean, the <laughs> I waited till you took a drink to ask you, but, but the... Um, <laughs> That's funny. It made me laugh. I'm sorry. <laughs> sometimes this sometimes this podcast is just about about uh, a, about um entertaining ourselves. Can be. Yeah. Um but anyways, you know, w- whether it's a short-term, long-term vacation rental, it doesn't matter. You just need to know what you're getting into financially. You need to know what your guidelines are. And the point you made earlier is know who's governing and who's who's managing the property, right? If you know all those things going into it, and they're not a surprise, then you can make a great decision. Well, and there's some benefits too, some some passive benefits. Like if it's a long-term rental, well, you know for certain that you have 
the, you know, you can check what they do, but a lot of HOAs check like lawns and exterior features of these homes are in line and taken care of and well-maintenanced on as much as a weekly basis, maybe a monthly basis. So you know that these things are being checked, violations are being sent. So it's kind of a different layer. Um, it's definitely a different layer than a property manager, but some people could think of it as an additional layer. Um, well, a lot of companies like ours, a lot of property management companies do HOA management also, right? That's, it's, it's, yeah. They're very similar. And what we do is very similar to what people do when they manage these HOAs. But um, yeah, it's 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 about managing assets when, when it comes down to it, right? Like if you have a property with common assets, if I live in a building, for instance, if you buy a vacation rental in... Panama Beach or Orange Beach or wherever you're buying this vacation rental and it's in a condo, you want an HOA, right? You want a really strong HOA that's financially sound, that is taking care of the property so that people want to come back, that is um, making sure that things are happening so that you don't have to worry about water coming from above you right? Yeah. In the four or five units that are stacked on top of you, you know, what's going to happen when that happens? Who's monitoring that? Who's managing all that? Your HOA does that. That's what they're there for, to give you that peace of mind that we're going to take care of the property, the common areas, and take care of the property as a whole. And it protects longevity of values too. So uh, yeah. I'd say just in all time, all kinds of this you know, real estate investing, you want to, things you want to consider that, that everyone doesn't is like, say you have a nice, nice house community on the, on the hills and this house, you know, the way you drive through this neighborhood is what sells you, right? You, you drive through the neighborhood, you see all these houses separated, um, and you can just see that it's like a house on the hills community. Usually those kind of communities have rules such as, you can't put up big wooden fences that block the mm. views. Like you have to have rod iron right. fences so you can see through, <laughs> mm. you know, so you people might see that as you don't have a lot of privacy in your backyard, but the people who bought in that complex see as this is the They want to maintain the, style, the aesthetics. Yeah, the aesthetics and, and the style of that community. So knowing that you have an HOA that has that rule in place can... Right. can do that because everyone could buy these houses in this community and realize oh it's not a rule that we keep it looking this way and start changing it now you got all these different types of houses and it, it will hurt your values yeah we, we talked about when we started this conversation we talked about how people become averse to it because of their experiences so one of those experiences you hear a lot is boats and rvs right so so that a lot of homeowners associations will tell you they don't want you to park your boats and RVs in the driveway or within sight, right? So that you can see it from the street. And that makes people with boats and RVs angry because they think they should be able to park their boat and RV on their property anywhere they want, anytime they want. They paid for that property. They paid for their RV. In their mind, it makes a lot of sense. Um, so they become averse to, to living in HOAs because they've lived in an HOA where an HOA told them they couldn't do that. And, and so looking at the flip side, I don't want to live in a neighborhood where I go down the street and I have to drive past a bunch of RVs and a bunch of boats. Sometimes they're dilapidated and 
it makes your neighborhood look trashy. So people that own boats and RVs don't see it that way, but some of us do see it that way. And that's that's the rub right there. So when you're investing in it, though, I don't know. None of that matters, right? Like, well, like, it's a different consideration. You're not living there. You're it's it's a it's it's like everything else in life. Like you become a property owner. Everyone's like, well, I should be able to do whatever I want on my own property. Well, while that's true, you there's a tiered level of rules like everything else. You know, the federal government, county, city, they all still have rules on that property you own. You're just adding one. That's right. HOA that's specific that's right. to that. Uh, <clears throat> You know, to that of set homes. of rules, yep. and if you have a, a, if you're planning on putting renters in there, you may want to f- force people into these set of rules in your house. You know, you may want to make sure that some you know two ton RV isn't on your driveway for two years. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, you may not, you may not care, but it's it's an option and something to help uh, enforce that. Because so, should we warn people about about um, worst case scenario? <laughs> yeah, you could always have a bad HOA. <laughs> you can get one that's not uh, either not managed correctly or or either currently or in the past and maybe you maybe you have a good group of board members now but the previous board members were bad or whatever, it doesn't matter. We are um we're dealing with a building that's 50 years old, 50 50? Yeah, 50 years old right now. 52 years old. And um, it needs complete renovation. Well, and let's keep this simple. You could you could spend fifty years mm. managing the money correctly, so that there's enough money to properly maintenance things that need maintenance over twenty, thirty years, and do that for fifty years. Or you could. I'm not saying this is what happened. <laughs> or you could not account for those things. Keep the HOA fees the same. Do the bare minimum, and find out in forty years that. Well, our lack of attention and maintenance and all that requires a complete renovation. $24 million renovation. The yeah. amount of money in our bank account is about 99.97% not enough. So, <laughs> so what do you do? You come back to that special assessment thing. Um, and this is another consideration. You may, There's rules on special assessments. You probably want to make sure that your HOA doesn't every, – every HOA will have the – probably the power to give you a special assessment. Well, what are the limitations on that? Um, if you do have $24 million of assessments for 169 homeowners, what is the breakout requirement for that? Can they, because HOAs, much like counties and cities and the government, have the ability to put liens on your house and take mm-hmm. take your property if they aren't paid. Mm-hmm. Um just like taxes and you know mm-hmm. all these things are um so you know what is <laughs> what's the breakdown on that can they hit you with that entire requirement mm-hmm. on in one day you know those are all things to consider so yep. i've we've seen examples where there's no limit on the amount of an assessment but it has to be broken up over 2 years you know we've seen that i've seen up to this amount it can be sent all at once um 
Well, they're their own entity, so within their guidelines, they can do whatever they want, right? They can spread it out. They can do. So I've seen all kinds of things. I've seen. We, Steve and I have have just shared with you experience where you know, you just have regular annual assessments, right? Or sometimes they're biannual, sometimes they're monthly, depending on what the property, you know, what the way they're set up, and that's it. And you never see any special assessments. I've seen some that are set up where you have those regular assessments. And you have what's called an insurance assessment every year. So after after they get their ins- their new insurance quote, whatever the difference is between their budget and their new insurance quote, they special assess. And they do that religiously every single year. That's how they handle their, their quote-unquote budget. Instead of raising your regular assessments, um, that's how they handle their, their insurance, which is the thing that adjusts the most for that particular uh, complex. But, um, you know, I've seen where a good budgeter or bad budgeter, you know, well, (laughs) it's, it's the way they choose to do accounting, right? I'm going to pay $200 on my credit card every month and I'm going to spend whatever. And (laughs) that's how much I'm paying. And that's how they choose to do accounting. I've seen other ones that are do a very similar process where they just disregard the budget all year long. Right. And they get to the end and go, oh, we're under budget by $4,000, so we need to spread that out over these, you know, I don't know, 20 homeowners, whatever, right? And and so, and I've seen what we're talking about where 52 years later, you're having to do a $24 million renovation that is going to cost a lot of money, and it's a one-time assessment. Have you ever seen the scenario where 50 years later, they have $24 million they didn't spend, and they're like, oh, well, I guess we can no. give this out. <laughs> no, but <laughs> fair question. <laughs> he said, "I've seen them give pennies back." <laughs> oh yeah, so here in my association, I can only speak from experience on what I've dealt with. And in my association, we had a pretty major expense in the pool house that so we had to completely renovate the pool house. It had a major leak. Mold mold excavation needed to be done. We had a we almost had to completely renovate the pool house, and it was a hundred thousand dollar project for a complex that is four hundred forty dollars a month. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of money, but you know what? We had plenty of reserves for that. That's what they're there for. That's what the reserve account is there for. That's really the what, how, and. And why? So people would ask why. Let's let's take the other devil's advocate side. People ask, well, why deal with all this, right? We just talked about all the, really the why of why you should deal with all this. But why not just go buy another property where you won't be told what to do? Um, well, the other side of that is your neighbors aren't being told what to do, right? Mm-hmm. That's the consideration. Yep. Is your you can't choose your neighbors. You can't choose your neighbors. You can't choose, you could, your house could be at a certain value. You're about to sell, you know, in three months, I'm about to go sell. All right. Well, tomorrow somebody moves in. Now they got, uh, you know, six, six or six beater cars that don't run just piling up on their driveway and the street right in front of your house. So now that, uh, when you go to show that property for sale, it doesn't look as appealing as it did before. Right. And and we've seen that. We've seen that a lot. Mm. Um, (coughs) There's only so much you can do. Now you're falling on back on your city, right? There's your, mm-hmm. there's your next level is your city. You're falling back on your city. If you don't live in a city, now you're falling back on a county. So there's there's another reason. Sometimes you have these communities that are outside city limits, 
but they're master planned and all that. And they need that next level of, of protection because counties very rarely have, I'd say in our area, very rarely have the same kind of leveled down restrictions that even a city would have. Like Steve mentioned earlier, the 12 inches of grass. I I assume most people realize it's still pretty high. You know, (laughs) the county likely doesn't have that um, restriction. So if your grass is 12 inches, it's not grass, it's weeds. Yeah. By the way. Or very, or you're using. <laughs> I've never seen grass grow 12 inches, but weeds do. Yeah, weeds. It's <laughs> usually because it's under all the weeds, right? That's right. Uh, <laughs> so use weed solutions for that. Um, <laughs> plug plug for Kevin and January Seaton right there. There you go. Um, I think episode that's it. One and two. I think that I, I Let's think we episode we've one and beaten, two while we're at we've it. We beat nature ways alive. I think we have. I think we, we have. We could talk a lot about the negative things they could do, but you know, just keep in mind, check <clears throat> it, you're 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 investing into a a an organization that implements restrictions and enforces them. Right. So check what they are. Check what they have the power to do and change. Check if they're making any changes. And honestly. Take a look at their financial history. You know? Their financial history and what have they done? Like if you're if you're pissed off that that you can't put an American flag there and you see that they've fined people for flying American flags, then don't buy in that community. Mm-hmm. It, well, to put an American flag up, yeah, or just like yeah. I mean, that's the that's the thing is is just you know you don't have to buy in that community, so don't understand what their restrictions are. And don't buy in a community that has those restrictions. And if you do, make mm-hmm. sure that you keep that in mind throughout owning it. Because some people mm-hmm. might forget that they need approval for some things and go put a, you know, you, like most mm-hmm. cases you need you need approval, put in a pool. Uh, good rule is anything that can be seen over your fence is usually requires approval. Painting your entire house white and black when that's not the scheme of your neighborhood, you may spend all that money to do and get a violation that you need to go put it back. And now you spent, let's call it 10 grand to do something. Now you need to spend another 10 grand to put it back and now you're back where you don't want it. Right? So... It's all important. To- Good point. I'm going to go on. A, I'm going to. I know we're going to close out because we need to close this out. I think we killed this subject. Good. Good subject. He good conversation, he's got a, he's Kyle. Got a tangent. Right I have. Right. A, I have a little tangent though because I think this is important. I think Steve will appreciate this, and and this is something I, I deal with all the time. That people need to realize that people that are on these boards are people. They're different people. Everybody's different, right? We get married to different people because of their personalities, right? They're different than ours. We work with different people that have different personalities. When you get on these boards, everybody on these boards, they're just people. And they all have different agendas. They have different personalities. They have different strengths and weaknesses. But they're people, okay? And more than that, they're volunteers, and that's what drives me crazy about people that that want to complain about their board. Look, everybody that's on every board is not necessarily good. There probably are people that are on boards that shouldn't be on boards. So you know what? Get on the board and, and take care of it because they're all volunteer positions. Nobody's getting paid. And ideally, all of those board members have the same goal in mind that all the homeowners do. They may not be going about it the way you want them to, but their intentions should be exactly the same. 
Well, I don't know how that correlates directly to our audience, but I'll I'll say that um, I told you it was a tangent. <laughs> it was a little tangent. It was personal. I, I, personal. I set it up as a tangent. Get, tangent. Get away with. Um, but <clears throat> essentially, there the board. The thing people should you know consider and understand is the board is while making these decisions, they also have to follow them. They're they're volunteers from the community. Like literally, if they move and sell their property, they can no longer be on the board. That's right. Like, <laughs> they can't just be like, "Hey, I used to live here, and I'm still making that's, that's still right. making rules for all y'all." But that's I'm, right. I moved. <laughs> so, I wonder if that's ever happened. I bet that has happened. Maybe for a short period of time, but you know, <laughs> so. Because they have to sign the resale certificate and all that stuff. So, all right. Y'all have any questions, want want us to help you consider whether you want to buy an HOA, buy anything, do anything, talk real estate, 817-818-9039. Or shoot us an email at showmethemoney at wertpm.com. Come watch us on YouTube at wertpm, right? That's right. Never even told y'all that. And, and all we'll the other places that you can find a podcast. Or anywhere, wherever you get your podcasts or blah, 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 <laughs> blah, blah, blah. So, and we, as usual, are out. Later. <laughs>